properties is, is, a, is a very popular type of income source. You get people, so you get some people, actually, it's a good question that I get asked often. Some people ask me, can I not just have, kind of just rely on my property income as my, you know, as my, um, my, my main pension provider? Make sense? Yeah, um, I was, yeah. I was uh, on that tree, funny enough to mention, I was going to get you to comment on some of uh, some statements I've got. One of them, the statements is that, um, that you often hear, my house is my pension. Ah, okay, good one, good one. So, <laughs> my house is my pension, is that, is that a phrase? That's it. That's a very uh, interesting uh, phrase. I think that needs to be the title of this podcast. <laughs> My house is my pension. Um, that's dangerous. That's a very dangerous route that person is going. Um, well, first and foremost, if they're talking about their home, um, their home is most certainly not their pension. Because once you've paid off your mortgage, your home is still your home, which just means that you have no liabilities left. Mm. Um, it just means that, you know, um, your cost going forward um, of living is really low because you have no rent to pay or no mortgage to pay. Um, it means you do have an asset that you can pass on to your children. But unfortunately, as Robert Kiyosaki will um, probably say, um, an asset is something that puts money into your pocket. Your house is not going to put money into your pocket unless you decide to rent it out mm. or unless you, um, you decide to do something like downsize, which, which is actually a very popular way of doing things. You can downsize or release equity and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and that can provide you a large sum of, of cash flow. So to some extent, I do depending on who asked the question, I do understand why that could be the case, right? Yeah. Because if you, if you had a house that was, um, uh, you know, had gone up in a lot of value and that kind of stuff, you can do equity release and release a lot of cash from your property. And yeah, that, that's another statement that's come through. I'll do equity oh, yeah? release. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. You, you can do that, but, and, and you can release a lot of cash and, and live off that cash or maybe even invest it the same way we would with a pension and withdraw some income from it. For example, the four percent rule. But um, remember, with an equity release, you're kind of taking on new debt, aren't you? Mm. Um, so it may not be the best thing for you. Um, and remember, if you compare the two kind of investment vehicles with a pension, remember there was a huge tax break that a lot of people forget, right? Which really does increase your potential to grow that nest egg to a higher rate um, than than a property. And also, when you compare property prices to the stock market, um, what you will find is the stock market has provided um, higher returns in terms of capital appreciation than property. And I know a lot of people don't understand that, but that's actually true. Mm. Um, it's a fact that the stock market provides better returns over a longer period of time than properties. Um, but, um, you know, properties do provide you with a higher cash flow because of leverage, right? Because you get to borrow. However, if you're talking about pensions, at that time, you're not borrowing anymore. Um, yeah, unless you do an equity release. So I hope that makes sense. Um, it's, not, it's not really, it shouldn't really be um, your home. It shouldn't really be for, for, for your pension, in my, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um, but you can have investment properties that provide you with a cash flow. And if you have investment properties that maybe, you know, you have no, no longer debt on it, so you've paid off all the mortgages, then that's, that's for you. You know, you can live off the income. Um, so yeah, but again, bro, honestly, when it comes to investing, always have a diversified portfolio. Mm. So even I plan to have properties as part of my retention, um, sorry, my retirement plan as well. Um, but it's but not the only plan. thing that you absolutely have. not, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Not. absolutely. And whilst we're on statements, um, got a, an, another one here as well. Um, 
my partner has got a good pension. Their partner has a good pension. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so? So they're obviously, <laughs> they're, they're obviously married. So um, my partner's got a good pension. So this, this individual doesn't, hasn't really focused or paid too much attention on their own individual um, pension, but their, their partner has got a good pen, uh, pension. What's your, okay, I mean, what's your thoughts on that statement <laughs> or comment? So. That's, that's, that's a, a, a very interesting comment. My partner has a pension. Um, has I mean, a good I'm pension, sure, yeah. Sure, yeah, I mean, okay, it's great. Congratulations to both of you. Got a, a good pension because, you know, I'm a Christian, I believe. And, uh, you know, when two, two come together, they're both one. But, mm. you know, life happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you know, uh, you can't really predict the future. Um, and so let's, let's be really honest, your partner having a great pension um, is good. It is good for the family, but it's, it's, you have to be, you have to be risk averse and, and, mm. and or, or you have to be wise, right? Um, we can't predict the future. Divorces do happen. And by mm. statistics, unfortunately, it even hurts me to say, but the, the truth is, by statistics, it's likely that divorces are going to happen, mm. right? Um, so you should really, really be having your own as well, mm. um, you know whether you're a man or a woman you should have mm. you should have your own um but yeah again you've got a great pension that's that's great remember as i said earlier you know in the unfortunate circumstance that one of you pass away the beneficiary obviously will get, will get a transfer um well you should definitely definitely have your own pension as well um mm. and growing that uh, pension nice uh what, what do you think ones um say that again what do you think I, I, I'm in agreement. It's a touchy one. Um, and it, I think it depends on the individuals as well um, getting together. But, you know, unfortunately, life does happen and uh, stats show support well, that as it. well. Yeah. So things do happen. People separate and things happen, unfortunately. Um, and it's a shame if someone is financially um, at a disadvantage because they clearly relied only uh, was, I would guess say, um, was complacent because they were relying on the fact that their partner had a good um, pension. If they couldn't do anything about that because they had other priorities, that's absolutely, um, I've got no qualms in that. But if it's solely because that your partner has a good um, pension and you've not focused on your own, then, you know... I would like to think one would change that mentality um, yeah. just because unfortunately life happens and we always love to say, but life won't happen to me, but it can. It can. So um, it's, it's a shame and it's a touchy subject, but I think it's one of those things where we don't, we might not like to think about, but we've got to think about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and another one actually before um, I just uh, ran up with a few other um, things as well is, um, over, this is more so in the recent years, but we've heard a few things around. Is a lifetime ISA better for me? Is a lifetime ISA better for you? Yeah. Um, First of all, where's a lifetime ISA? And yeah, yeah exactly. how? Yeah, yeah. it'll be good to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, I, w- I want to get everyone's kind of level of thinking to, to always think about pros and cons. There's mm. no. With financial products, anyone that provides you with a financial product, if a financial advisor comes up to you with a financial product, make sure you always understand 
and make sure he always explains everything to you so you understand all the pros and cons of that financial product and always always he should or she should provide you with alternatives mm-hmm. so <clears throat> whatever the uh, lifetime asset is better for you or good for you um in in in, in um, comparison to a pension does come down to understanding the pros and cons and whether those things fit your objectives and your personal circumstances. So the Lifetime ISO is, a, is kind of a newer financial product. Um, came in from what I remember, April 17, 2017, I believe. Mm. And it came initially to kind of replace the existing Help to Buy ISO scheme. So that's one of its main um, purposes. It helps individuals from the ages of 18 to 39 to uh, basically save um, towards their first home, right? Um, so you will put money in. Um, the, the, the maximum you can put into this type of account or financial product is £4,000 um, per annum from April to April. And then the government top you up with a 25% bonus, which is a maximum of £1,000, right? £1,000 is 25% of £4,000. And you can use that as part of your deposit for when you want to buy a first home, um, obviously, with, there has to be certain characteristics. For example, it has to be less than £450,000 and that kind of stuff. And um, the main uh, barrier to entry or barrier for this uh, to use this kind of product is you have to be between the ages of 18 and 39. Um, the additional benefit, which is more relevant to what we're talking about right now, is you can use it as an alternative or an addition to a pension, a standard pension, especially if you are of the ages of 18 to 39 at this particular time. Um, Is it better than a standard pension? The answer is it really does depend on, you know, what you're looking for. So let's talk about some of the the cons. Let's start with the cons as to why um, a pension might be better than a lifetime ISA. It depends on the type of taxpayer that you are. That's a huge one. If you are a higher rate taxpayer or an additional rate taxpayer, then you are better suited to using a pension account rather than a lifetime ISA. Why? Because the pension account provides you with tax breaks, which are beneficial for you if you're paying 40% tax or 45% tax, Mm. right? So you get those breaks. It's almost like a 40 to 45% bonus because you're not paying that that tax break. Mm. Whereas, well, the, the math is a bit different from that, but I think you get the point. Whereas if you are a lower rate taxpayer, right? If you were a lower rate taxpayer, then there is not much difference between being in a lifetime ISO or being in a pension because either way you get a 20% tax break, right? And I understand that, you know, when people first hear it, I think the math doesn't really make sense um, because, you know, you get a 25% bonus with the lifetime ISO. But if you do the maths, it's more of a 20%, a 25% bonus is basically a 20% um, tax break. Mm. That goes over a lot of people's heads, but I'll explain it very quickly. For those that catch it, catch it. For those that don't catch it, you can catch it another time. If you have £5,000 as your salary, right, and the government take 20%, that's £1,000, right? Because 1000 is 20% of £5,000, right? Mm. Um, so that's actually the break that you get. But the way they advertise it is they give you a £1,000 bonus on the £4,000 that you put in. So it really does depend on what you do the £1,000 out of. But really and truly, a 25% bonus, which is £1,000 
on a £4,000 is actually a 20% tax break on a £5,000. If you caught that, you caught that. If you did, you catch another day. <laughs> so if I, when our listeners replay, 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 they'll catch it. <laughs> they'll catch it. So, yeah. So if you, if you are a lower rate taxpayer, there is no difference. But again, you still have to think about the, you know, the personal circumstances. If you are going to put a maximum of £4,000 into a pension per year, then there's no difference. Mm. Um, but if you're going to put more, obviously, the lifetime asset has a caveat because you've got to put, that's the maximum you can put in, right? Whereas with a pension, you could put up as much as your salary up to £40,000. So again, if you want to put more money in, then a pension is better, even if you were a long-rate taxpayer. Um, and lastly, actually, the, the, the main pro for the lifetime asset in this specific circumstances where you're both putting in the same amount and you're both the same taxpayer is with the lifetime ISA at the age of 60, you can take everything out tax-free. Mm. You could take everything that you've amounted tax-free, whereas with a pension, you can only take out um, 25% tax-free at the age of 57. So in that circumstances, then the lifetime ISA becomes a better product. Mm. And I think that's probably the main circumstances that you should consider when it comes to using a lifetime ISA. Um, yeah, um, but if you are a higher rate taxpayer, usually the pension is probably a better product for you. And if you've got more money to put into a, a retirement, then again, the pension is a better product for you. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 that's the things you need to consider. Fantastic, lovely. You can have both. <laughs> Sorry? You can have both. You can, I was about to say, yeah, uh, why not? Uh, and again, that's the key thing. And hopefully that's come out quite a bit through uh, this particular podcast, the importance of diversifying. And um, yeah, some really interesting statements uh, that have come through. So yeah, just a massive thank you. I'm pleased to our listeners do continue to send in different bits um, of questions or comments that you might have as well so that we can definitely discuss on uh, the podcast and we've mentioned um other things uh that have come through this podcast looking at different uh, asset classes as well and um, which we have actually episodes on um even if it's about stocks and shares and other things as well so do make sure you check them out um jacks i'm gonna wrap up on some uh final questions and this is um let's travel back you know 10 15 years um into the past, um, looking at uh, a 15-year-old, 15, 16-year-old Jacks, um, <laughs> and when it comes to like, even pensions, I think there's, there's, you know, it's so it's great to start whilst we're young. But what advice would you give to a 15-year-old Jacks who probably wasn't as um, savvy as you are now and knowledgeable around finance in general? Um, yeah, what advice would you give to 15-year-old Jacks apart from? Um, make sure you don't stay late after school and play money up on the wall with Peter and other friends. <laughs> oh, you're hilarious. Um, <laughs> okay, um, two things I would always advise a younger Jacks um, would be to be intentional and proactive in life. Um, you know, don't just let life happen to you. You know, always, you know, be looking to be proactive in everything that you're doing, not even just based on finance, everything that you're doing be proactive, try to be one step ahead rather than being reactive. That's a very common thing that I'll give everybody, every young person, um, that piece of advice. But also I would say 
um, to to find yourself a mentor. Mm. I think that's something that I didn't really consider when I was young. And even at this age now, um, I was actually speaking to someone about, you know, getting someone who is maybe ahead of me as, as a personal mentor. I think we spoke, I spoke to you about it, I think. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, having a mentor, someone who's already past that age, right? Got, got more of experience um, to, to guide you through, through certain things. Um, so for example, I'm a, I'm a mentor and I'm sure you're a mentor as well, Peter. Mm. And there's certain things that we know that we didn't know when we were 15 that we can pass on to that, that generation. So those are the main two things. Um, always, always look to educate yourself um, you know, we're living in a society right now where information, there is information overload, but it's so available. So, you know, spend at least an hour a day educating yourself on different aspects of life. And, and what, what would you say, what about someone that does have um, a parent who has a young child, whether they're 13, 14 or younger, um, when it comes to pensions, of course, this is information that everything that you just spoke about getting a mentor. I'm sure that parent can support that young person in finding one, etc., and supporting them with being intentional. What is out there um, in terms of uh, products um, from a um, pension perspective for a young person? Okay, so if you really, there is a, a product that's um, available, um, which is when I think of it, it's actually an amazing, amazing product, and actually. If you wanted to guarantee generational wealth, this is probably the product you want to open. Um, it's not the most sexy product, mm. <laughs> let me put it that way. Um, but it's actually called a junior sip. What it is, it's an investment account for children that you can open up now. Um, and actually, you can save and invest in it for a very long period of time. Mm. But the child cannot touch it until that age of 57. Mm. So we talk about compound interest. I mean, what, whoa, I mean, 57 years of mm. compounding. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's the easiest way to guarantee a millionaire status. Mm. You know, starting very early with small amounts and just continue investing. Now you have to be very, very selfless as a parent to open this kind of account because obviously you're not going to get to, you're probably not going to see the benefits of it. Mm. Um, because, you know, obviously by the time, well, we, will, we pray for God's grace and old age. Um, a healthy old age, but you know the child won't be able to touch onto he or she is of that pension age anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, that is almost a guaranteed way of building generational wealth. And that's another the, one, and that's the right word. It's not about yeah. the actual parents; it's about the generations to come. So generational wealth, yeah, absolutely, exactly, exactly. You can also use junior ices um, as well. Mm. Um, but as we've spoken about earlier, the main benefit of the junior sip or a sip to a, an ISA is the tax breaks and the fact that it forces you, it forces your hand to save and invest for retirement. I can almost guarantee you that if you're doing this for someone who's got 57 years of compounding <laughs> waiting for them, they will definitely retire comfortably. Mm. <laughs> Let's just say that way. <laughs> and again, I'm sure, you know, one can go to them calculators and you mentioned the million pound month just because that's the number in it. But there's loads yeah, of stuff yeah. out there in terms of which shows by just saving this amount from a child who is one or zero years old, uh, by the time they're ready for retirement, this is how much you need to put away to reach that million. And funny, well, depending on your lifestyle, it's not as much as we would think. Yeah, exactly. In terms exactly. of the monthly contributions. Absolutely. Like you'd be shocked how small you have to contribute. If you have that long-term horizon, mm. you just have to contribute a very, very minimal amount of your total salary. Mm. And and and, and our final uh, two uh, questions on that. Let's say um, 
a listener right now is probably in their mid uh, to late 40s. Um, then as a result of this, they might have just checked how much they've got into their pension pot and they're like, wow, uh, they don't really have much. Um, what would your comments be around that in terms of what they could or should start doing as of now, I guess? Yeah, two things. Um, start contributing, obviously. Um, contribute as much as possible, but it, it all comes back down to managing your personal finances um, because, as I said, the two things that really boost... Um, there's, there's three things you can do to really boost the returns of any investment portfolio. Time, performance, and contributions. Time, obviously, in this person's the circumstance, bleh, the circumstance you've just mentioned, um, obviously, time is, is something that you can't change. Um, so the, the two other things you can do is contribute. So contributions, contribute more to the pension. Uh, very, very simple to understand. And, and lastly, the last one is performance, um, which is a bit more difficult in the sense that when I say performance, is the performance of the underlying assets in the fund. Um, maybe for the average person, this may not be the best advice, but if you, are, if you really want to be intentional, you can learn how to invest a bit more um, effectively and get better returns than the overall market, which is, which is what you would get in, in a fund. Mm. Um, you know, you can try and learn to become a better investor um, and, and maybe pick individual securities that can provide you with a better return. That is another option, but the, more, the better guaranteed option is to contribute more um, yeah. than to try and go for performance because performance is not in your hands, whereas contributions are. Um, and actually also yeah. uh, uh, you know we, we talked about the state pension as well um make sure you also check that as well and if you because i mean nine grand is not a lot but it's actually a decent not decent it's but it's, it's, it's yeah. money right yeah. so um you can also make voluntary contributions to national insurance to boost your ability to get a state pension as well i would make sure you at least then you guarantee that you're going to get the state pension and then you can work towards your personal pension as well Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I think we've gone through everything. Um, just want to thank um, our listeners for posting the question um, and the topic idea. And through, hopefully, we've um, touched on some uh, quality stuff. And I know, Jax, you've mentioned some uh, key things around time, uh, performance, and contribution, and diversifying as well which is so important and hopefully the key word that's and the key word that's come out of this is being intentional so it's not about burying your heads in the sands and just assuming that when you're 60 65 or the pension age now 66 money's just gonna appear out of nowhere um so we need to be uh, quite clear on how we're going to do it so I think what I'm getting from this, uh, particularly from what listeners can do now, is be intentional, check what you've got in your pension pot, calculate what that number is that you want and start working backwards um, from it. Get a seek advice, um, get a mentor, professional advice as well um, and start working at it rather than so we can avoid being that statistic of people that um, have a pension nightmare when the time comes. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, just want to thank you very much, uh, Jax, as per usual. Uh, thank our listeners for tuning in. Um, as ever, do follow us, check us out on 
all the platforms where you can listen to our podcast, but also check out other things that we're doing. Um, as you know, we're doing quite a bit of work in the community with young people around personal finance as well. So you can check that out, see um, what we're up to there as well. Um, keep liking, sharing, um, adding value to other people's lives by sharing uh, this with other people if you like what you hear. Um, and yeah, send those questions through. And remember all... Stay woke.